you're going to see a prayer directory. And notice in that prayer directory, it looks like this. I started every day with an attitude of gratitude. Because our attitude's either our best friend or our worst enemy. And you notice I started it with that scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5:18, give thanks in all circumstances. See, when you're ruled by the love and the joy and the peace of God, your life just overflows with gratitude. Now, all of us know how good life is when we're just overflowing with gratitude, and we also know how life stinks when we're not overflowing with gratitude. It's no fun to be with anyone that's just a grumbler. And so I started each day of this month with a scripture that you can say, Thank you, God. But I want you to know, unless you understand and apply the key that I'm going to give you this morning. You notice the title of the message is The Key the key to having a great progress report. That is, as you look back on 2012, if this was parent-teachers meeting, do all of you, even those of you that are my age and you haven't been for a while, do you remember parent-teachers meeting? They normally have them in the fall and in the spring, right? Don't they still do that? And see, I know it's a wonderful thing, both as a child and as a parent, to go when you know you yourself as a child has done well, or as parents you know your children have done well. And see, I've been on both sides of that fence, and I'll just give you a report I won't talk about when my children didn't have a good report. I'll talk about when I didn't have a good report. See, when I grew up in Arkansas, I had straight A's from first grade through the seventh grade, except one six-week period. They gave them in six weeks back then. I broke my right arm playing football in the second grade, and so for that six-week period, I had to learn to write with my left hand. And it wasn't real good. And that corn dog teacher that I had in the second grade, she had zero grace, and she gave me a B-plus for handwriting. And I cried for at least a week, thought of suicide several times, because I didn't make straight A's. I mean, I was a very conscientious student. And so I was accustomed, when my mom would go to parent-teacher's meeting, I would just be waiting at home for my mom to come in and tell me what a wonderful little boy she had. Straight A's again! But then we moved from Arkansas to Washington State going into my eighth grade. Well, in the summer, of course, my mom took my pedigree, straight A's, except that B-plus in second grade, straight A's in every class, and took it to the teachers. And so you know what they did? They said, oh, your son is quite something. Let's put him in all of the accelerated classes. So they bumped me up. I had several things going bad for me when I moved. See, everyone knew me when I grew up in this one school. But at the time I was going in the eighth grade, my growth had stunted, so I was five foot one. So I was very insecure moving not only 2,000 miles, but I was the shortest boy in my class. Also, I talked real funny according to all those northern people. And so every time I would open my mouth, everyone would laugh. That's not real good when you're struggling with low self-esteem. And so they put me in this algebra class. Now I want you to know, in Arkansas in the 50s, 
They were great in addition and subtraction and multiplication and division. And I could put anyone down. We'd get up at the board and we'd do, and man, I'm fast to this day. I can do numbers in my head. I'm great. But when I moved to Washington and they put me in this algebra class, I could not understand what the teacher was talking about because everyone knows in math you use numbers. They were all mixed up. They were using letters. It's like the young man that grew up on the farm. His dad only had a second grade education and his son went off to the big university and his dad was paying $50,000 a year and so he came home at Thanksgiving. He said they were sitting at the mill table with all the little brothers and sisters and he said, son, show us what you're learning. We're paying big bucks. We're working hard here on the farm for you to go to school. You're the first one in our family that's ever gone away to school. Now, show us what we're paying for. And the young man said, well, Dad, I don't know. I, I don't know what to... Well, you're taking that high, uh, highfalutin math class. Uh, what are you learning? And the son said, Dad, I don't even know what to say. Son, speak to me or we're not going to send you there any longer. I want to know I'm getting something for my money. He says, well, Dad, pi r square. What in the world? Pi r square, everyone knows. Cornbread square. Pies are round. Now, for you young people that don't even know what I'm speaking of, ask your parents. They'll explain. Well, let me tell you, I was from the country, and I couldn't figure out when they were saying a square plus b square minus c d greater... And so that first parent-teacher's meeting, and I was so insecure, I wouldn't even ask questions because I tried to ask questions and everyone would laugh at my accent. So guess what happens if you don't get help? You sink. And so when that first parent-teacher conference came, I still remember it. It was back in 1964. I was scared to death because I thought, at best, I'll be making a D. My mom was accustomed to going and hearing that parent saying, oh, your child got a 98% average. I had a 61% average. When my mom came home, she said, honey, you have straight A's except this one class. I'm so glad my mom loved me. She said, what's, what's, What's the problem? I said, Mom, I can't get these letters. Well, guess what? She'd grown up in Oklahoma. They didn't have indoor plumbing until 1982. Not really. You guys need to enjoy yourself a little more. You're kind of stiff this morning, aren't you? I'm trying to loosen you up because I'm getting ready to give you a profound truth. But she didn't understand it either. And so you know what she got me? She got me a what? A tutor. Now this morning, I'm serving as a tutor to you. I want to give you the key that if 2012 hadn't been a good year for you, and I'm not talking about whether you've had trials or troubles. If you've not lived as more than a conqueror in Christ this year, I want you to know God wants you to be a winner. 
If you've struggled in your relationships where you just see the faults of one another instead of being an encourager and a forgiver, I, I got good news for you today. If you hear God's promises over and over, but you're not living the victory of them, I got a great news for you. But it's a key. And if you don't get this key, you can go to church your whole life and you still will not make progress. See, I got a tutor and I started making progress. Inch by inch, as Brad says, little by little. And you know what? I didn't get an A the next quarter, but I didn't get a D, I got a B. And the next quarter, I got a, not an A, but I got an A minus. Because I got help. I want to give you help this morning, church family. I love you. Now, look at your message notes. Look at your message notes. See that list that says my never again list on the left-hand side? There's quite a story behind that. Notice there's no blanks. A couple of months ago, I was privileged. It was in October to preach at the pastor's conference for the Illinois Baptist uh, Convention. And uh, the way they do it at a pastor's conference, I mean, when they ask you to come there, they, they want you to bring it. And as you bring it, they amen you. And, and they get you going, and you get in a preacher's rhythm. And preachers know this, and it's just part of our thing. When we go to a pastor's conference, we want to get after it. We want to have fun. We want to rejoice in the Lord. And I was on the second day, so they'd already had a day of warm-up. And so, I mean, you give it everything you got, and then when you get through, I was the second pastor in the morning conference, and so then you walk down to the front row, and it's kind of like running a race. You leave nothing on the field, and when you get through, so as soon as I stood there, you're kind of going, you're just catching your breath. And all of a sudden, as I was doing that, this man came up, and right in front of me, he grabbed my hand, hugged my neck, and he said, I'm Rex Alexander. You haven't seen me for 24 years, but years ago you served in a church, preached as an interim pastor for six months where I was serving on staff. I'm now the missions director of Illinois and the disaster relief director. So all of these disasters, he goes out and ministers to thousands of people. And he said, I want you to know you gave... Our church, when you were preaching there 24 years ago, I never again list. And I'm trying to think, who is this guy anyway? And then he says, i got to go back to a place that he had a booth in the back. And, and so hope to see you later. Well, I never saw him. And I had one thing on my mind. I would like to see this never again list that he says so profoundly changed his life and he uses and he's got my name on it, and I don't even know what he's talking about. So he sent it to me, and here it is. And I want us to stand right now, and we're going to read this Never Again list. And I want you to know, if you're in Christ, this is how God wants you to live your life. So you just think about if this is the way you're living. Here we go, and let's read it victorious. Never again will I say, Never again will I say, Never again 
Never again will I say, Never again will I say, Never again will I say, And never again will I say, Never again will I say, And never again will I say, And never again will I be the same. But we will keep on saying all those things unless we know the key. You may be seated. See, circle those first two words in the title of the message. The key. Because if you don't know and use the key, you're not going to make progress in your Christian walk. You're going to not know His love that drives out fear. You're not going to have His joy that's the strength of your life. You're not going to have His peace that passes all understanding. You're going to continue to come in here. You're going to continue to come and serve. You're going to continue to come and do whatever you do at West County Community Church and Zoe and Living Water Academy. But you're going to say, what is it that's missing? See, what if today you were the last person to leave this place except me? Since the Brooks are out of town today, I'll be the last person that leaves the church today. But what if you stayed around and you just noticed that I was just sitting in my car? You'd say, well, pastor's just thinking about something. But let's say at 3 or 4 today, you just want to come and, and you wanted your children to play on the playground as some parents do, and you'd notice I'm, I'm still just sitting in my car. You say, well, man, he's, he just needs some time alone. But what if then at 7 o'clock at night you went down to see the, and I'm still sitting there. I hope you would check and see if what? He's died of a heart attack. And I'd say, no, no, I, I'm, just, I'm just sitting here. And, and let's say we did have school tomorrow. We don't have school at Living Water. But let's say we did and you came, and I was still sitting there. I hope you'd call Ronnie and say, is he okay? He spent the night there. Let's say you go the whole week. Next Sunday you come and notice my car hadn't moved. He's still sitting there. Would you be concerned? Let's say I, I sat there the whole next year. You'd say, we got to get help for pastor. Sugars, let me tell you, I love you, I love you, I love you. But as your pastor, when I see you sitting in the same place, it breaks my heart. And today I want you to know, I'm going to show you the key. I'm going to show you the key. And I'm not just going to show you the key. I'm going to show you how to put it in the ignition. And I'm going to show you how to turn it. And I'm going to show you how to go 
where God wants you to go. Now, are you ready? See, I'm going to give it everything I got, but you got to have a heart ready to receive. So if you don't have a heart ready to receive right now, I just, I just want us to take a moment. Let's just bow our heads and say, God, this is you now. This is not me. This is you. I'm ready. But this is you. You say, God, God, I want to hear this. If my life still has a lot of I can't and I lack and I fear and I doubt and I'm too weak and the devil is beating me and I'm anxious and I'm in bondage and I'm still in shame and condemnation and, and Lord, there's not much change in my life. Let me hear this today. And Father God, we thank you for being strong in your spirit and strong in your word. To your honor, your glory. And our needed good, we pray, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now write it down. Right up there in the title of the message, the key. You've circled it. Write this little phrase. The key is knowing how to be graced by God. That's the key. The key is knowing how to be graced by God. Because apart from God's grace, see, we understand by God's grace you're saved. There's nothing you can do. But I don't think we understand as a Christian family how except by God's grace you're not growing any. By, except by God's grace you're not understanding any. But except by God's grace you can keep hearing the Word, knowing the Word, but you're not going anywhere. You're not going to have a progress report in your walk with God, a progress report in your relationships with others until you're graced by God. And you know what stops the grace of God? God opposes the... That's what stops the grace of God. Now, a year ago, we started this theme. You've seen it up there for 2012. Thank God. So do you remember when I said, if we're going to thank God, and that is just live according to the Word of God, not live by our circumstances, not live by our feelings, not live by our hurts, not live by our pressures, not live by our problems, not live by anyone around us, live by the Word of God. That is, think according to God, because God says, as a man thinketh, so he is. So what did I take us through a four-month study on? Humility. Because see, God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. So unless I learn how to be humble before God, I'm not going to experience any of His grace, and so I'm not going anywhere with Him. And I just say lovingly, kindly, respectfully to you, if you're struggling in your walk with God, it's not because necessarily an absence of what you know about God, you don't know humbleness before God. Now let me just give you, and if you want a copy of what I give you, you just call Stacy and she'll be ready to email this or send it out to you. I went back to my message notes a year ago, and this was the first Sunday. And I entitled the message, Learning to Live Life as God Intended. And that is, we must choose to live humble before God and others. 
Until we make this attitude a priority in our lives, we stay weak in the challenges of life because pride always fails in doing the things of God. We stay wounded from the hurts of life because pride never can heal. We stay worried over the needs of life because pride stays aggravated, angry, and or anxious. And we live as Israel did most of the time in the Old Testament grumbling because pride is never grateful and pride cannot experience God's promises. And then I reminded us what humility is not. Humility is not beating yourself up. Humility is not running yourself down. Humility is not shyness. It's not a personality trait. Humility is not a lack of ability or giftedness. So what is humility? It is a transformed way by Almighty God of thinking and living. This whole new way of thinking and living understands and intentionally chooses to live. It's no longer about me anymore. It's all about God. In Christ, a humble person walks with absolute conviction and confidence and courage, knowing that he or she is simply an empty vessel, totally dependent to be filled with God, to live an obedient and supernatural life to His glory. Charles Spurgeon wisely said, Humility is the proper estimate of oneself before you get to heaven. See, when we get to heaven, there'll be no problem with humility. But it's here on earth in our sinful, lustful, self-centered flesh, the sinful nature, that 24-7, second by second, there's that battle. Will I walk by the Spirit, submitted to the Spirit, or will I walk by the flesh? See, humility is understanding before you get to heaven, everything is God's. Jesus modeled humility. In our salvation, Jesus makes us partakers of humility. His salvation, in fact, was to be our humility. Without this biblical understanding of salvation, there can be no true abiding and experiencing in God's presence. No peace of God regardless of problems. No passion of God regardless of pressures. No power of God regardless of any persecution. No praise of God because of our perspective. No priority of prayer because of our posture. Dead unto sin and alive unto God. And then I concluded, an absence of humility is the explanation, and if you want to write this down, this is the summary of all of it. An absence of humility is the explanation of every defect and failure in the Christian walk. I'll say it again. Start writing, sugars. An absence of humility is the explanation of every defect and failure in the Christian walk. Humility alone takes the right attitude before God and allows Him as God to be all and do all in our lives. Now take your Bibles right now and turn to Philippians chapter 2. If you never turn anywhere, please turn to Philippians chapter 2. 
it, get in your New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and then you have four little short books, Galatians, Ephesians, and you're in Philippians. See, often we quote Philippians 2.5 because it says, let this attitude, let this mind which was in Christ be in you. But we don't go on and quote, and I want you to see verse 8. This is when you know you're humble. See, Philippians 2, verse 5 says, and I'm reading from English version, have this mind among yourselves, NIV, let this attitude which was in Christ be in you. Have this mind, attitude among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who though he was in the form of God, that is, Jesus is God, he is the God-man, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, that is, he just submitted himself totally unto God the Father by taking the form of a servant. Because we needed a Redeemer. We needed a Savior. We needed a Lamb of God to die once for sin and once for all, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. Here it is, underline it. He humbled himself. Now, how did he humble himself? Underline it and start. By becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That is, humility is, I have zero rights except to yield my life to my Maker, my Creator, my Redeemer, the Lord God. And how do I yield myself? I walk in obedience to His Word. That is humility. Now, until you come to the place that you figure it out, you cross your T's, you dot your I's, you connect the dots, as we say, until God brings you to that place, church family, you're not going anywhere in your walk with God. Because remember, God opposes the proud and He gives grace to the humble. So only when you're graced does the door open in your life for God, when you're humble, for God to grace you. See, not only can you and I not get saved, but by grace through faith, you can't grow, you can't learn, you can't understand. You, you can't be apart from the grace of God. And here's our problem. All of us can do certain things without being humble. And here's where we deceive ourselves. See, I was a major in piano on the bachelor's and graduate level. And so it was mandatory, even though I was a piano major, I just sing in the all-concert choir. So I would sing, and we would sing the Messiah. Even at a secular state university, they would sing the Messiah. And I would be on this line, four or five hundred voices, and guys that could sing like unbelievable. I mean, they were taking voice lessons from the third. These guys were professional. They were going to be in the opera. And I would be standing in the midst of them, and they could sing. I mean, if I brought them in today, I could give them a song, and they would blow you away at their instrument that they had trained. But in the midst sometimes of those runs that most of you have heard before on the Messiah, they would miss notes, and you know what would come out of their mouth? They would be cursing the Lord God's name. 
it would drive me crazy. Here they're singing praise, but when they missed a note, because what's their heart? See, they had talent and ability, and if I brought them in front of a church, they could sing, and you'd give them a standing ovation and say, man, can that guy sing. We all have abilities, don't we? Did you know there's concert pianists? I could bring them in here, and they could wow you and woo you, and you'd go, wow, wasn't that something? And they could even sing, play hymns and stuff. And what happens is we often get fooled. See, there's public teachers in this room. And you have the gift and ability of teaching. And we bring often our gifts and abilities that we God's given us the ability to really perfect in the flesh, and we often substitute those for the Spirit. I want you to know when God saved you, He wants to do a work in you. You can't learn it in a university. You can't develop in yourself. See, that's what Romans 15.3 or 12.3 says. Paul says, apart from the grace of God, I am nothing. You know all the things that often you say in relationships, I can't forgive this person, I can't honor this person, I can't be patient with that person? You're exactly right. You can't. Apart from humbling yourself before God so that opens the door so the grace of God can come into your life. Did you know when you come in here in church, it doesn't matter how much I prepare, if you're not humble, you don't have the grace of God to receive the Word of God. So it just goes like this on you. Did you know you need to prepare as much as I prepare? And how do you prepare? Every day, you prepare your life to say, I humble myself before you, God. I have figured out life. We've all tried it enough our own way, haven't we? And when you try your own way, what is there? Failure, frustration, no rest, no joy, no peace. So what I'm encouraging you today is take the key and stop staying in the same place that you are. And turn the key. And what's turn the key? Humble yourself before God and say, God, I figured it out. My life, my one life, is to submit my life to the authority of your word because it's perfect. It revives me. It gives me joy. And as for me and my household, if you're a husband, you go home to your family and say, we're going to humble ourselves daily. And students, you're, you're going to say, I humble myself daily. And when you humble yourself daily before God, guess what? You're humble before others. You can always know when you're humble before God because that'll be lived out in humility toward one another. See, I finish this study. Remember when you are tempted to not choose humility? Humility was the only way Jesus could do the will of the Father. Humility is the only way we can learn of Jesus and find rest. And in every temptation of life, know the old deceiver, the liar, the devil. He's given you that lie. You do not need to be humble. When you get in a disagreement at home, you know what the devil tells you? 
You don't need to humble yourself and listen to this person, even though they're frustrating. They're attacking you. Pride says, stand up and what? Win the attack. But just know that's the devil. That's the deceiver, the liar. When someone attacks you, humble yourself. And say, I can really tell you're frustrated right now. You're really upset right now. So I want to listen because I love you. What, what would that do? First of all, that person would go, right? Try it. Let me show you how you can apply this to every story in the Bible. Now look at your message notes. See, just like most of you knew all of those verses on the never again list. But see, if I'm not humble, I don't receive the grace of God to live those out, so I keep canting and lacking and fearing and doubting. We don't want to stay there. See, look over to the right-hand side. We can say Roman numeral one. Now just think of all the attributes of God that you know. See, often we've done the A to Z list. Start with me. We've said God is almighty. God is beautiful. God is comfort. God is the deliverer. God is faithful. With me, God is eternal. God is good, right? Now, if we want to just capture all those and put them together, just write down Roman numeral one. We can say, and, and put a circle around that, because I don't want us just to say it. I want us to enjoy it and experience it. We can say God is omniscient. O-M-N-I-S-C-I-E-N-T. And that's just a 25-cent word to mean what? God is all-knowing. Now, in any story in the Bible, you can see that. Open your Bibles to Matthew. I don't have the time to read the text, but we can make some markings. And for you that are visiting with family today, you haven't had the advantage to study all December, the Christmas story, but we'll catch you up. See, remember Matthew 1, 1 to 17, is where there's a story about God knows everything. He gives the promise to Abraham in Genesis 12, and here we have a 2,000-year genealogy from Abraham leading up to Jesus to say God knows everything in all of the faithlessness of all these people. God is faithful. And see, God is there. And, and we saw in the story of Joseph from Matthew 1, 18 to 25, that here when Joseph thinks that Mary, who's his betrothed to, has been unfaithful, the angel of the Lord says, no, Joseph, you don't understand, but I know she is conceived of the Holy Spirit, so you take her. And we pose this question, how in the world could Joseph hear something that seemed impossible, but he had immediate obedience? Because he was humble and he was graced by God to have immediate obedience. Let me tell you this about what I know about every person in this church. Every person in this church wants to be immediate obedient. Right? 
Everyone I know in this church, if you're visiting today, let me tell you about something. There's no perfect people in here, but I'm telling you, we have a people that have a heart for God. We have a people that say, I want to be obedient. But sugars, look at me. Some of you are beating the tar out of yourself because you want to be, but you can't be. And let me tell you the key. Humble yourself. Don't try harder. Humble yourself. Because when you're humble, you say, now, Pastor, what's humble? You just, and that's why I get on my knees. See, let me tell you what happens every year in my life now. Every year in my life, and I got a preacher back there, Andy Chambers. He knows because he knows the same guys. Every year in our life, at our age, and, and I'm a decade, a little plus more than Andy. So it's my peers, not Andy's. But guys in the 60s that have walked with Jesus for, and preached his word, I mean, I knew them in my 20s and 30s. And they're having affairs on their wife. They're stealing money. They're being unfaithful. And I know how these guys love God. Their, their, whole, their whole life is destroyed. And people say, how, how did they do that? I'll tell you how it happened. They got careless. They got careless. Let me tell you what carelessness is. When you don't humble yourself every day, and humble yourself, you say, apart, just like you said, Lord Jesus, John 15, He's the vine, we're the branches. Apart from me, you can do. You can do. Stop thinking you can do anything. You can do nothing. See, the devil's not going to tempt you to go shoot someone and rob the bank today. If you're a child of God, he's just going to tempt you to get careless and not humble yourself before God. See, Joseph was able to respond to obedience because he was humble and God graced him with the ability to believe. See, write it in, Roman number 1 1. Only humble. Only humble can we be graced by God and circle graced by God, even though I dark fonted it for you, to see every trial, every test in our lives as an opportunity for us to learn to rely upon God and rely upon Him more. If you have your Bibles, and we've got eight minutes, so we've got to go quick, go over to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, you need to circle this and start. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. See, here is where Paul is being evidently scourged, beat, imprisoned, thinking he might even die. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, it says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Probably this is one of the times he was scourged, whipped 39 times with a cat of nine tails. But that was to make us, and underline it, whatever you've gone through this last year or your whole life that you thought, I'm going to die. But that was to make us 
to rely not on ourselves, but on God, who even if I die, he raises the dead. But I can only have that grace of God. And what am I talking about? Right in your bullet there. I'm talking about having God's perspective with God's peace. Through it all, through it all, I've learned I can trust in Jesus. When it's not well with my circumstances, it's well with my soul. See, look at Roman numeral 2. We can say God is omnipotent. That means He's all-powerful. I won't turn us to these scriptures because I'm going to try to get us out on time. But on, in Luke 1.34, that's where, remember, the angel came to Mary and said, Mary, you're going to have a child. And what did she say? That's, that's, women, that's impossible. See, some of you have things in your life that you may be saying this morning, it's impossible. I'll never get over this hurt. I'll never live the Word of God. Humble yourself. Humble yourself and let God drive in with His grace and enable you to experience what you can never do in your pride. Humble yourself. Humble yourself unto death. Say, God, I am sick and tired of getting worked up but never getting worked out. See, write it in, Roman numeral 2, 1. When that angel said, nothing is impossible with God, what did Mary say? Mary said, well, I am your servant, and may it be as you've said. Because grace rolled right in, and she said, all right, Lord, I'm willing, I'm ready. See, only humble can we be graced by God to know the joyous rest of doing what our Father wants us to do in all our challenges. 1 Peter 5, 5-7. See, the way you are lifted up is you first got to go down. You got to humble yourself and say, God, I am nothing apart from you. And then He lifts you up. In Roman numeral 3, we can say God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. Oh, when you read the narrative in Matthew 1 and 2, God was there in the genealogy. God was with Joseph. You read on in that chapter and remember the wise men come and Herod wants to find Jesus so he can kill him. And, and God's there and God warns the wise men. God warns Joseph to leave Egypt. God is there. I want you to know today, if I could take every one of you, and I'll only do Seppi, if I could just take you right here and say, Seppi, God is with you. God loves you. God wants you to win. Give you a hug. Okay. Every one of you need that. I can do it with Seppi because when Seppi's down, he comes to me and says, Pastor, talk to me. And he doesn't need any talk from me. He knows I'm just going to get the Word of God and say, Seppi, this is the truth that sets you free. But the truth's not going to make a hill of beans difference in your life till you humble yourself, Seppi. Humble yourself. And see, as a former Muslim, he knows what it is to humble himself. 
When Seppi and I came in here and I showed him the scriptures, you know how I say, let's get on our knees? He didn't just get on his knees. See, as a former Muslim, he knew. He put his head all the way to the ground. Sweeties, that's an attitude that God says, you must, you must come to that attitude in your life. It's not weakness. It's not lack of ability. It's, remember, it's not low self-esteem. It's where you choose out of the grace of God that you see He's God and you want to experience Him, not hear about Him. And so you practice this humbling yourself under the authority of God. And what happens? He graces you. He graces you. And it's where it moves from the head to the heart because He graces you. See, write it in as we close. Roman numeral 3, 1. Only humble. Only humble can we be graced by God to be mindful of His loving presence. And just put in the bullet there, God's presence with God's love. Did I give you the second bullet, God's perseverance with God's joy? Okay, get that one. God's perseverance was the second bullet under Roman numeral 2. God's perseverance with God's joy. And then Roman numeral 3 bullet, God's presence with God's love. Romans 8, 35, 39. People love me to read that at a memorial service. See, turn in your Bibles, if you can, quickly to Romans 8 as we close. This is not just good for memorial services. This is good for everyday life. Romans 8. See, when you are humble before God, God graces you with this awareness. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? See, this year, past year, some of you have been felt like you've been separated from things that have broken your heart. Let me tell you, when you humble yourself, God graces you with this ability to see His presence on the darkest day of your life. The tears can be streaming. Everything can be hurting in you because what you've lost. But you can say, I know that I know that I know. That's what Paul was saying. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? That's what he was living Oh, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. They were being martyred for Christ. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But look what he says. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Hyper Nike right there. Through him. Notice, through him. Well, how do I do it through him? i got to be humble so I can be graced by him who loved us. Say it with me. For I am sure. Isn't that good? That you know that better than death. You know that better than life. See, parents, you're concerned about your children. Let me tell you the greatest gift you can give your children is you humble yourself before God. So the grace of God will be ushered in your life and your children as they grow up, they'll see in daddy and mama come whatever comes in life. My dad, my mom, they know God. They love God. They obey God. 
they'll grow up with a security in God that nothing in this fallen world can ever shake because they'll know God. Let's bow our heads. What has God said to you this morning? I pray that however your year's been, however your struggles have been, you'll realize for most of you, it's not hearing more truth. It's being graced by God to experience that truth. And God has promised, if my people will humble themselves, before He says pray, before He says study the Word, before He says anything, He says, humble yourself, because you're not going to be graced by me unless you're humble. Humble yourself. And daily, humble yourself. I promise you, if there's anything between you and any family member or anyone else, you just humble yourself. And God will grace you with the ability to be kind and tender-hearted and to love and to forgive. It's not your hurts, it's not your failures that you can't forgive. It's your pride that doesn't have the grace of God to enable you to forgive. And, and don't get mad at me for saying that because you say, Pastor, you don't know what they've done to me. I don't have to know. I just know God's greater than any hurt or pain you'll ever experience if you'll humble yourself. I had a couple call me up this week. They've been separated for four and a half years, live in different towns. But over the Christmas holiday, because this couple humbled themselves, they said, Pastor, we're going to need you to do a new renewal of our vows because we decided we're going to humble ourselves and let God bring us back together. Was that that they decided it? No. They just humbled themselves, and God's grace gave them the enabling to forgive and trust Him to do what they don't think is possible because nothing is impossible with God. Oh, church family, I love you. But greater yet, God loves you. And He wants you to win to His honor and glory. Humble yourself. Humble yourself before God and each other. Oh, Father God, as only you can. As only you can. I thank you for your conviction in every one of our lives, wherever we are in the journey of life, to just see this truth. The key that gets us going is humble ourselves before you, that your grace might come in and accomplish your perfecting work in our life. Lord, your saving work in our life. Whatever the work that needs to be done, you're reconciling, restoring work today to your honor and glory. And right now, I'm going to be quiet. And you just say to God what he's been saying to you. Respond back to God this morning, whatever you need to say to him. Oh, Father, we just praise you and thank you for your grace that even works in our lives to humble ourselves. And, Father, may this be a new beginning wherever we were when we came in here. May the understanding of the necessity of being humble before you to receive the grace working of God 
May it deepen in every one of our lives, Lord, and we praise you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.